From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. I might be biased, but I think it's hard to ignore that as a culture, we have an obsession with food and the diets that go with it. Remember one thing, you are what you eat. Superfoods, fast. And now let's talk about this new diet craze. A lot of people talking about this diet, and here he is, the man behind it, Dr. Michael Mosley. Is I remember my parents doing the liver cleansing diet back in the 90s. And over the past few years, we've been hearing more and more about the move to plant-based meat. And where fad diets have previously kind of come and gone, it seemed like the shift to eliminate meat from our diets was a more permanent one. 51% of Americans had tried or were open to trying a flexitarian diet. And while surveys differed, recent numbers suggested up to 6% of Americans are now vegan, which is up from 1% in 2014. So in the midst of this climate, we see two market leaders elbow their way to the front of the plant-based meat pack, Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. And predictions were this market was going to be huge. In 2018, analysts predicted the PBM market to grow from $4.6 billion to $85 billion by 2030. And in 2019, global consultancy A.T. Kearney predicted that the global market for meat substitutes would be worth a whopping $450 billion by 2040. And at the same time, restaurants were lining up to partner with Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Impossible Foods signed deals with Burger King, Starbucks, and even Disney. Burger King's new plant-based Whopper is... New plant-based range. Beyond Meat was signing deals with McDonald's. Introducing the McPlant Burger. PepsiCo, KFC, Subway, Taco Bell, Costco, and Pizza Hut. Vegan cheese made from pea protein. And of course... But then, in the past six months, we've seen a lot of these deals be quietly exited. It's Friday, the 25th of March, and today I want to know, are we seeing the decline of the plant-based meat fad? Or is there hope for it to live up to its promise of changing the way we eat? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague, Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Let's do a quick recap. If you, like me, have so far resisted the movement, can you give me just the quick 101 of what plant-based meat is? Well, Sasha, I haven't resisted the movement. I've actually tried to go into two different supermarkets and buy plant-based meat. Both of them were sold out. So take that for what you will. So you tried to do your due diligence. Failed to do my due diligence, I guess you could say. But plant-based meats are food that come from plants, uh, which are intended to offer an alternative to meat made from animals. This is soybeans. Now, importantly, plant-based meats are designed to look, cook and and taste like meat. And this gives you the high protein content and the nice chew and texture. So we've seen plenty of different plant-based versions of the meats, beef burgers, bacon, steaks, nuggets, sausages, but instead of coming from animals, they're coming from soy, peas, beans, mushrooms, mung beans, or wheat. There really is a lot of options, although unfortunately when I went to the supermarket, there were no options. (laughs) But Sasha, in this new market that's emerging, there have been two big players. You could call it a real Coke-Pepsi dynamic. The first, the Coke in this scenario, the OG plant-based meat company is beyond meat. What if we took this cow off the table and just made friends with her? The second, the Pepsi in this scenario, the upstart taking market share from the big player 
is impossible food. Scientists say beef is bad for the planet, but do we really care what those nerds have to say? Yes, we do. Impossible meat made from plants. Now, these two players have a lock on the market, and more and more, they're everywhere. Beyond Meat is in 28,000 retail locations, Impossible a little bit behind in about 20,000, and Beyond Meat is in 42,000 restaurants, Impossible Foods is in about 30,000. And chances are, wherever you are in the world, you've probably seen or tasted one of their products. So this brings us to why we're talking about this story today. While a lot of these plant-based meat partnerships were announced with a huge amount of fanfare, many restaurants are now quietly ending them. Tell me what's going on in the market. Yes, so orders of plant-based burgers and sandwiches at fast food restaurants perhaps haven't done as well as they were hoping. And so we're seeing a number of US restaurants walking away or stepping back from their plant-based partnerships and the items on their menu. KFC has ended the trial of Beyond Meat's chicken nuggets. Burger King hasn't removed the item, but they've turned down the marketing of its Impossible Whopper. Little Caesars has ended the trial of Impossible Foods sausage. And a New York chain not as well known, Bear Burger, took Beyond Meat off their menu because it was drawing so few orders from customers. That's a dire list that you've put in front. Is this the death knell for plant-based meat? Definitely not the death knell and definitely not all bad news. We said McDonald's is the big gorilla in this space and they are continuing with their partnership with Beyond Meat and they're currently planning for a national rollout across the UK of the McPlant Burger later this year. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Epic Burger... Uh, Another burger chain in the US also reported that it's Beyond Meat plant-based chicken burger, that's a mouthful, uh, is selling better than expected. So what we're seeing is a lot of these much-hyped trials at major fast food chains, perhaps not living up to expectations, but there are still plenty ongoing. To give you an idea of how these trials played out, Bloomberg offered some colour on the Burger King Impossible Whopper trial, which was probably the most advertised, one of the biggest, most exciting trials. Burger King's owner, Restaurant Brands International, rolled out the Impossible Whopper to all 18,000 US locations. So they went big and they went early. They then had a massive advertising blitz to support the rollout using the tagline 100% Whopper, 0% beef. That's a great tagline, by the way. It's not bad. And there was an initial boom. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, but then things started to tail off. Twitter mentions of the Impossible Whopper dropped 67% uh, from the year it launched in 2019 to 2020. And then Burger King's largest franchisee reported that sales of the Impossible Whopper had fallen by about half since its introduction in 2019. So they haven't taken it off the menu, but they're obviously reallocating marketing spend, which gives an indication of where it sits in the priority list. So, so far we've heard in the plant-based meat community that there was a lot of hype, there was a lot of predictions that it was going to be a massive market. All these restaurants rushed into the vacuum to fill it as quickly as possible. And now it's kind of starting to deflate a little bit. So I think the real question is, why is this happening? And we're going to uncover a little bit more about that after the break. Alec, 
We're talking about plant-based meat today on The Dive, and we've just heard about the rise and the fall, but now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty and understand why this is happening. Tell me your theories. Yeah, so towards the end of 2021 and into 2022, we're seeing a change in consumer preferences. Now, according to Bloomberg, after the COVID lockdowns, after a couple of years of the pandemic, Americans are seeking familiar, comforting food when they cook at home or when they venture out. This is one of my absolute favourite suppers after a long day at work. And look, the numbers back it up. According to Euromonitor, sales of meat substitutes at US restaurants fell more than 23% between 2019 and 2020. You also have to take that number with a grain of salt because 2020, a lot of those restaurants were locked down for parts of the year. Now, Maple Leaf Foods a Canadian meat group that owns a plant-based brand, Light Life, said their customers were telling them that they viewed plant-based meat as an expensive novelty and that they were not making repeat purchases. Expensive novelty. That's not language that you want about something that you want to be part of the status quo. Mm. Now, you've given us an indication of what was happening to restaurants, but I'm, I am doing a survey of one, but I don't eat out every single night. What's happening when it comes to retail grocery stores? We're seeing a similar story play out in the retail uh, stores as we are seeing in restaurants. Market research firm IRI found that plant-based meat sales have begun to decelerate. Uh, In November 2021, refrigerated plant-based meat sales were down 6.6% from the year before. So a similar story playing out, a massive acceleration 2018, 2019 into the pandemic, but then a slowdown in the back half of 2021. And to be fair, there have been some COVID-related issues that have contributed to this slowdown. The supply chain issues, the bottlenecks have affected this industry. Perhaps that's why I couldn't pick up anything uh, when I tried. But we're also seeing shifts in customer habits. Shoppers are making fewer trips, meaning there's fewer opportunities for them to sample products and try new things. But really, beyond those COVID-related issues, there are two big reasons. Taste, and price. I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) Let's start with taste. A 2020 Good Food Institute survey found the biggest barrier to uptake of plant-based meat was taste and 27% explicitly said they don't like the taste. So that's not good when more than a quarter of consumers don't like the taste of your product, but also price. Plant-based meats can be up to 40% more expensive than the actual meat alternative, which goes back to that commentary we heard from light life customers, an expensive novelty. Exactly. And when you're talking about taste and price, they're almost the two single considerations that you make when you're talking about your own shopping habits. So I assume Beyond share price has suffered as well. That's right. In the last 12 months, the Beyond share price is down 61% and it's down 25% from the price it IPO'd back in 2019. And look, analysts, Wall Street experts think there's more to come. As of January 2022, Beyond Meat is one of the most heavily shorted stocks in the US market. Okay, you're not painting the best picture here. Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat are being removed from restaurants. Their sales are down in supermarkets and their share price has more than halved. Is this an indication of what's going on in the plant-based meat space? The past six months have been tough for the big players. Part of that late 2010s hype is dying down. But part of it is also 
that competition is increasing. Here is our not-so-short list of some of the recent developments we've seen in the space. All right, I'm ready. So Chipotle has begun selling a pea-based vegetarian chorizo that's made in-house. Live Kindly Collective has just raised $335 million in funding to compete in this space. Kroger, the massive supermarket chain over in the US, has released over 50 vegan meat and dairy substitutes under its private label. Wegmans, Albertsons, and smaller regional supermarkets are also following Kroger's lead. Sundial Foods has emerged out of Nestle's incubator, developing a plant-based chicken that requires only eight ingredients, far less than any of their rivals. New Gen Foods, a Singapore-based company, decided to avoid the US and establish operations in Singapore, Hong Kong, Macau, Malaysia, and the UAE, and they are now eyeing a US launch later this year. Future Farm, founded in just 2019, has already hit a valuation of over $400 million, raising $89 million. A California-based competitor, Daring Foods, also founded recently in just 2019, has raised over $120 million. And then the major meat producers are also getting in the space. Smithfield Food, JBS, and Tyson Foods. And it's not just the US. Over here in Australia, Thomas Foods is planning on a $378 million foray into the plant-based sector, and they are backed by the Australian government. There is a lot of money flowing into this space. I'm going to give you a chance to just get your breath after reading that incredibly long list of other players. But I want to know, like, why is there suddenly such an influx of other players coming into the space? Yeah, well, I think two reasons. First of all, consumer preferences are changing and part of the hype is real. This category is a real category. It's going to grow and it's going to stay. But secondly, there's not really any barriers to entry into the category. Sure, there's a little bit of technical know-how to make plants taste, look, and cook like meat products, but it's not like Coke and Pepsi, where they have top-secret formulas and incredible brand positions that make it near impossible for any competitor to take market share. Sure, Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods have a head start, but the competition is on, there's money in the space, there's other brands being built, and there is market share up for grabs. It makes sense to me that there's not a lot of major barriers to entry because if you just Google vegan recipes on YouTube, there's so many chefs experimenting. There's so many different options as well outside the plant-based meat space. We haven't even spoken about what is perhaps the biggest competitive threat to this whole industry, and that is lab-grown meat. Okay, let's leave lab-grown meat for another episode because, you know, it sounds like another rabbit hole that we're going to be going down. At the start of the episode, I asked if plant-based meat was the future of food or whether we'd seen the wind come out of the sails of just another food diet fad. So where are we? And is the future meat-free? Look, Sasha, it won't be absolute, but the future will definitely have a meat-free option. The market isn't as big as some people were expecting. At the start of this episode, we spoke about an analyst estimate from 2018 that suggested the market could be $85 billion by 2030. Now, a more recent estimate suggests the market could be worth between 6 and $10 billion by 2030. Okay, that's a little bit smaller. It's just a little <laughs> bit smaller. But one burger chain, BurgerFi International, that's been experimenting with a plant-based option, I think really sums up where plant-based meat will sit going forward. 
And that is when a group of diners of varying tastes are choosing a restaurant, the availability of a vegetarian and vegan option can be the deciding factor. So as more and more customers around the world go vegan, vegetarian or flexitarian, retailers and restaurants will range options. But I think it's a little early to say plant-based is the future of food. I think that's a perfect way to end it. I know when you're just describing that conversation there, I have that all the time with my friends that we would just rule options out because it doesn't have the dietary requirements of one person of the group. So let's leave it there for today. What a great conversation about the future of food. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Dive. We always want to hear what you want us to talk about. So if you have a suggestion, contact us at thedive at equitymates.com and make sure you're following us on all of the different social media channels. We are there. All those details, as always, in the show notes below. Rate and review us. It's the easiest way for new people to discover The Dive and subscribe so that the next time we make an episode, it's going to be right there in your podcast player the moment it drops. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alec. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. The Dive is a product of Equity Mates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.